famous story. Exodus chapter 14. Don't worry about turning to it. I'm only going to talk for five minutes and then it'll all be over. But I want to just remind you of Exodus chapter 14, where if you know the story, you'll know it's when the people of God have just left or are just leaving Egypt. You remember the story? They've been in slavery in Egypt. They're just coming out of slavery. They're on the move. There's a journey that they're on. All right, They're following prophecies, promises that God has given them about a land that he's going to give them. So they're following prophecies. They're on the move. And then they hit the first great insurmountable obstacle, of course, which is the Red Sea. All right, They come up against the Red Sea, can't move beyond it. And then, then just to make it more interesting, the Egyptian hordes are coming up behind them, ready to wipe them out. And so here's the people of God. They're kind of crunching up together in front of this insurmountable obstacle. This is their weekend away. I know it's a bit more dramatic than ours, but hey, it was their weekend away. It's their version, at least. And uh, they have pressures behind them. They have wonderful promises ahead of them. Uh, and yet, humanly speaking, there's no way they can go forward. All right, that's just how it was. There's no way they'll get there, which in some ways at least is not vastly different from us because we would say we have pressures around us and behind us and among us personally, whether it's money or work or jobs or tragedy or pressures or illness or whatever it may be. Also as a church, we have pressures, but we also have prophetic promises as individuals and certainly as a church. We have promises that, that God has promised us to play a part in his impacting the nation. Now, we're not the sole answer. There are many groups out there, but we have a part to play to impact the nation. What a wonderful promise. Impact the nation with the kingdom. And yet, humanly speaking, there's no way we can go forward. No way we and our humani humanity can make it happen. And... Um, so I just love the story because what you have is, is here the people of God. And Moses is there. He's trying to encourage the people. So he says in verse 13, he says, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of God. In other words, he's saying, gather around. God is going to make a way through. That's really what he's saying. And I love the way God answers him. God says to him, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. It's like, it's like God speaking into the heart of his people. Keep moving forward, but then he gives them spiritual tools to move forward. Spiritual tools. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand, over the sea. In other words, step into my power and I will take you forward. That's really what he's saying here. And to be honest, I think that's what this weekend's going to be about. God is going to be giving us spiritual tools to move forward. Right? That's individually. He'll be giving you spiritual tools. But also, as a church, he will be giving us spiritual tools to do the impossible and move forward. And I think that's what this weekend is about. And he'll do that through all kinds of ways, through the worship times that we have, glorious worship times in the past. We've been living for worship times when God will meet with us through the prophetic 
prophetic words that will come into our lives and into the heart of the church and also through the preaching as well, the preaching ministry that we're going to have, which is why I thank God so much for this guy here. Phil is one of those guys uh, from the Catalyst Apostolic Team in Britain, uh, the Catalyst team that's serving us, the Apostolic Team, which is serving us as a people. Some of you will remember Phil from last time. This is a, a tremendous prophetic Bible teacher. In fact, Dave D., who oversees all of the New Frontiers churches, some 1,500 and more, they've lost count now, but Dave oversees them at the moment. And I remember Dave saying to me a while ago, quite some time ago, he said, about Phil, he said, this is the foremost prophetic gift we have in New Frontiers at that time. So that's a sense of just how major this guy is gifted in terms of the prophetic. But his heart is so good and humble to serve. So he's coming all this way to serve us. And so we know that teaching will be excellent. The prophetic will certainly be there. It's going to be a powerful, powerful time. God putting spiritual tools into our hands. And this is why we want so much for everyone to get there. We don't want anyone to miss out. We don't, and yet we know this, that, that, that it's very costly. We've gone out of a, a cheaper venue from the last time we, 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 we had our weekend away to the new one, or our ranch I know is very old, but this is a bigger venue, far more expensive than we've ever done. And we know it's too expensive for any one family to go to, probably for a couple of days. And so one of the causes of our gift day then is to make it so that everybody can come. We want to subsidize the cost, and the, and the prices you've got is a subsidized cost. Now, you may think, well, actually, I think that's too much for me. Well, we still want you to come. We'll find a way to get you there. We want everybody to come. And so this gift day, this cause is important. And so bringing Phil out here and the cost of the subsidies, thousands of dollars, actually, about 15000 overall for this to happen. So it's a, it's a big hit, plus the other causes that we've got. So we're, we're praying for a, a big amount to come in. We want everybody to be there, no one to miss out. We believe it's going to be that significant in our history as a people. So that's what this is about. And today, as I say, is the second day in our gift day, the second response. So I know some of you have already responded before during the week and outside of these Sundays. But can I just ask you to be prayerful about what you give? You, what you're doing is that you are giving and all of that brothers and sisters around you can make it to a place where God will impact their lives. And we believe will impact far beyond us. We believe that under this cloak of his grace, he is preparing us as a church to spring forward. We believe that in our hearts are churches to be planted, right? There are peoples to be touched. There are lives to be impacted. And we believe Korowai is a key step forward in that. So it's not just about the blessing for us. It's about God preparing us for far beyond us. So it's a good cause to give to. So I'm going to pray before I just hand over to Nat. But can I just ask you just to be aware, God, I want to Number one, I want to give to you, Lord, as an offering to bless you. Lord, I want my brothers and sisters to be with me at that place where you gather us under your grace for purpose. So, Father, we pray that in Jesus' name. We pray that we will give as a heart of worship to you. We pray that out of what we give, all of us will get there. And out of us all getting there, will come many hundreds and ultimately thousands of lives to be affected by your kingdom in and through us. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well done. Come on, let's welcome that, shall we? Is that on? Can you hear me? You hear me, yeah? Kia ora tofano. Good to see you. Um, I thought Pete did an amazing job last week of, um, of sharing about how to, how to worship God, a fragrant offering to God. <coughs> oh, I loved it. And one of the questions I've got for you is, has anyone sniffed Pete since, that, since last Sunday? <laughs> did he get a hold of the honeysuckle, um, <coughs> honeysuckle, what was it? The soap you were looking for. I was good over there. <laughs> One of the great things about speaking is that you can speak about all sorts of important biblical things and then a year later someone will be like, oh, I remember that talk. This is what I got out of it. And you're like, oh, honeysuckle soap. <laughs> no, it's good. It goes in. Cool. So this morning I want to carry on in our series called Utter Me, Am I, Follow Me. And Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And that's really what this whole series is about, is how do we take up our cross and follow Jesus? How do we give our life away? How do we deny ourselves and find our life in Jesus? And really that's, that's a pretty big deal. It's saying, if you're going to follow me, you can't just sort of tack Jesus onto the side of your life and say, hey Jesus, this is the way I'm going. Um, I've got these desires and this is what I'm going to do with my life. Can you just bless me in my walk? Jesus is saying, you know, you've got to lay all of that down and give it all up, turn, turn, turn aside and say, Jesus, you're now the king of my life. You're the boss. You're in the driver's seat. Um, the areas of my life, sex, money, desires for the future, plans, all of that is saying, hey, Jesus, that's now yours. You make decisions on that. I'm going to follow you. And I give up my right to, to be the boss of any of that. So it's pretty sobering. It's a big deal. And although that's your response to Jesus, as you saying, Jesus, I lay down my life to follow you, it's actually not an individualistic thing either. It's actually about how do we walk out our discipleship in community. And that's what I want to look at this morning is how do we do that together and how do we do that in deep friendship with each other. So often now our faith can be uh, can be tainted by our culture, can't it, in, in many ways. But one of the ways is, is this kind of consumer, individualistic thing, and we can carry that into our, our walk with God. We can kind of think, oh, what can I consume? How can I be entertained? How can I be fulfilled? How am I progressing? How is the church serving me? I'm not getting entertained here very much. I'm going to move on to the next place. Or I'm not being recognized in my gifts. I'm moving on. And it's kind of this me, 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 this sort of, it's all about me, individualistic mindset that we can easily bring into and kind of filtrates, infiltrates into our walk with God. Actually, those kind of, that mindset is very, is, is foreign. It's not a gospel mindset. A gospel mindset is, it's about us together under the people of God. It's about Fano. It's about laying your life down for one another. The New Testament was written to written to groups of believers everywhere. It was like the letter to the Philippian church or the church in Rome, this group over here. So much of the New Testament is written to whole groups. It's not talking to individuals about their little walk with God. It's saying, hey, you people together, this is how you walk out your faith. This is how you do this together and how you honor Jesus. But we can easily read it individualistically. 
And Lawrence Collingborn and I were talking about this a few weeks ago because actually the English language doesn't help us here. It actually falls down. Because in the Bible when you read and it says, you this and you that and your bodies as living sacrifices and God did this with you, we just see the word you. And so we can easily go, it's me. <laughs> but actually the original is you plural. It's a plural word. So what Lawrence does is he'll read the Bible and then he'll read it in French because he's got a command of the French language, which I don't. But in French, it shows you the plural for you and the plural for we all. And so it gives them a better understanding of what the Bible's talking about in terms of walking this out in community. So let me read you this verse. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So how do you read that? How do you, what do you get from that? Well, my initial reaction is kind of like, oh, I'm a, I'm a living sacrifice. The Holy Spirit was given to me. But actually, it's talking about us. It's a you plural verse. There's a guy... Excuse me. There's a guy in the States who has written this program so that you can read the Bible in Texas language. Because Texans have something we don't. And it's this word, y'all. Yeah. So if you read some of that, say, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Who's in y'all? Whom y'all have received from God. <laughs> y'all are not your own. Y'all were bought at a price. If McKenna was here, I'd ask her, how am I doing? <laughs> But actually, it changes the way you read it. So Philippians 2, 12 to 14, work out your guys' salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you guys, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out your salvation as a work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It changes the way you read it, doesn't it? It's about community. This kind of individualistic mindset is pretty foreign to the Bible, actually. So we need to kind of learn and and keep reading it the way that it was, it was written. Another phrase in the Bible that's used about 59 times is this phrase, one another. So it depends on your translation you're reading, but many use this word, this phrase, one another. So honor one another above yourselves. Care for one another. Build up one another. Encourage, comfort, teach, forgive, stir up, pray for, confess your sins to one another. That's a pretty big topic in the Bible. And Peter sums it up, 1 Peter 4.8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Keep loving one another deeply. That really sums up these one another um, commands in the Bible. So although discipleship is a response that you need to make to Jesus, and if you haven't done that this morning, you can do that today. And it is a you response. I'm giving up my life to follow you now, Jesus. Actually, it's how you walk it out is with others. You walk it out in community, and you find your faith with others, stirring one another up and being with one another in deep relationship. So I want to get practical this morning and, and look at some practical things about this. But you need close friends in God. That's how God designed you to be as his son or daughter. You need people to laugh with, cry with, confess your sins with, and stir one another up in God. You need close friends in God. Of course, we have many relationships across, the, across our lives and across the church. There are people who we're kind of we're helping to build up and 
you know, maybe help them to mature in some areas, or others who we connect with sort of, you know, on certain topics or at certain times, and we think, wow, you know, you're really encouraging me in that area. This is great. There's lots of types of relationships that we have, but what we always all need is close friends that we walk through life with, through the hard and the good, and that we can call in the middle of the night when things are tough, or that we turn to, and that can turn, who they can turn to us. Now, this church is made up of, like, in total, is roughly about 180 people. Some of us have been around a long time. Some of us have been around a short time. Some of us have close friends in God, and some of us don't. But actually, it's something that we all need and that God wants to give us. And here's a newsflash for you. You can't be besties with everyone. You can't have 180 BFFs in this church. You just, it won't work. We need a, we need a, uh, a close group of, of, we need a small group of close friends. Everyone needs that. People who just know you inside out and, and have kind of been with you through tough times and, and can, can help you through the things that they understand and they believe in you. So how do we do it? How do we glow, grow close friendships? Well, my first point would be this, not on a Sunday morning. Amen. Sunday mornings are great. But you need more than just a quick chat over coffee or, or a quick hello or a quick getting the kids out to their groups. You need more than that. But it is a great place to start because people are here and you need relationships with people. It's a great place to meet people and start that journey. Connect groups are a great place for forming friendships. You can pray with one another. You can really ask, hey, what's really going on in this area of your life and how can we help you? How can we serve you? What's happening here? Connect groups or home groups or whatever you're used to calling them are a great place to, to go deeper with friendships. But even that's not enough. It's limited. I'd be asking the question, who are you inviting into your home? Who are you having meals with or coffees with? Who are you going out for walks with? Who are you playing football with? Who are you calling when things get tough? Who are you starting to, to walk with in everyday life? Yes, on Sundays. Yes, at Connect Group. But outside of that, who are you, who are you investing your life with? Because the unfortunate or fortunate truth of it, it's unfortunate to our ears of a kind of quick, want everything now mentality that also comes with our culture, is this. Deep friendships take unhurried time to develop. Deep friendships take unhurried time. And you can't bypass that. And they also take lots of effort. Deep friendships won't come to you. You've got to go out and make an effort and invest in them. Be asking the question, or you can ask the question of God, God, who do you have for me that I'm going to invest my life into, that I'm going to slowly but intentionally start building a deep friendship with? Who are you making an effort with? Sometimes we think, oh, the church should put it on for me. I'll just sit back and you bring me close relationships. Well, that's never going to happen. Friendships are an organic thing, and you need to, it's about making an effort and stepping out over some possibly fear barriers or time barriers and saying, hey, I want to spend some time with you. I want to see whether we can, we can develop a close friendship, one that we stir each other up. We want another in God. It can take years. Maybe that's an unfortunate comment for some of us to hear. It can take years to grow deep friendships with people. But hey, who are you starting with? Who are you starting on the journey with? 
what elements do you need for a godly friendship to go deep? So what makes a godly friendship, one where you're steering each other up, where you're in each other's lives, where you're encouraging, you're honoring, you're, you're building each other up, you're praying together, you're, you're encouraging each other in the scripture. What makes a relationship like that work or go deeper? Well, the first thing I would say would be this. It's connection. You actually connect with that person and you enjoy being around them. Sometimes common interests can help. Sometimes other common things can help. But you don't need that. You don't need to like the same thing or be the same age. Those things aren't necessary. But actually connecting and feeling like, hey, I just enjoy being around that person, that helps. That helps a lot. Biblically, the basis for all relationships, whether it's marriage, children, friendships, um, leaders, whatever it might be, the basis is always, friendship, is always love for every, every relationship, every friendship. It's love. We're called to love everybody. But actually, if you want to grow a close friendship with someone, it helps to like them too. And just, they like you and you enjoy their company. The second one, the first one's connection. The second one is this, you stir each other up in God. That would be my number two for what you're looking for in a friendship to go deeper. You stir each other up in God. It's not just that you kind of hang out and talk about the same football team. Actually, you, when you spend time together, you come away saying, hey, I really built into that person. I encouraged them. I, I brought something to them that built them up in God, and they did the same for me. Maybe you're not used to doing that. It's a good, good place to start is to say, hey, can I start investing into people whom I love and stirring them up in God, honoring them, encouraging them, building them up. And actually, this word, authenticity, is really important. When you're stirring each other up in God, one of, our, one of the one-anothering verses is confess your sins to one another. Being authentic with the good and the bad and the ugly in your life. That grows deep friendships. It's not always easy, but it's a way you go deeper with people. The third thing, and I, probably the most practical thing, I think, in the, in the three. So first one's connection. The second one is stirring up one another in God. The third one is this, Capacity. You actually have the ability to see each other. It sounds, so, um, it sounds so obvious, but it's really important when you're thinking about trying to build deep friendships. If you can do number one, you connect with them, you really enjoy their, their company, and you stir each other up in God, but you're getting frustrated that you aren't growing a deep friendship, you'd ask this question, do you have capacity for one another? You might say, well, you're supposed to make space for people in your life, so build capacity for people. That's true, but can you build capacity for 180 people? You can't. You do have to choose where you're going to spend your time and who you're going to spend your time with, and it does take unhurried time to build deep relationships in God. So as you look to befriend people, ask this question, do I have space in my life for this person, or can I make space in my life? Do they have space for me? You might ask really practical questions like, hey, we work on, you know, near each other. We can do a coffee once a fortnight or once a week or five times a week. We're there. We, we can spend time together. Or, hey, we've got like a, we live near each other. We'll pop around for evenings. We can do that. But if you're getting frustrated because you're like, I love that person. They're awesome, but I never see them. And they, they live in a completely different area to you. They work in a completely different area to you. And you don't have the capacity to see them in evenings and you're at work all day. It's just a capacity issue. You've got to work that through and say, hey, where can, we, where can we make this work? And I'm going to come back to a practical thing that I've put in my life um, for that. 
Just a note here as well on capacity for leaders. Anyone who leads, whether it's in business or they lead a small group or they're part of a church leadership, they need the exact same thing as everybody else, which is a small group of close friends. Sometimes we have a tendency to want to befriend leaders, whether it's at work or at church. That's not a bad thing, but it's good to realize that they have a limited capacity too. And when you're in leadership, you generally have more people looking to you or wanting to connect with you, but you're just a human and you've only got a limited capacity for friendship as well. Which is fine, so we befriend, we just go for it with friendships. We've just got to say, you've got to look at people and go, hey, do they have capacity for me as well? So how do we go deeper? How do we get to this point where we're one anothering and encouraging and building one another up and steering each other in the faith and honoring each other? Well, one great way is praying together, reading the scriptures together, talking about what God is doing in your life together. Great question I love to ask friends of mine is, what is God saying to you right now? What's bubbling for you? What's happening right now? I was uh, walking with Jelly and Esther a couple of weekends ago, and I just said to them, hey, what's God doing in your life, or what's he saying to you? And they just kind of came back with these amazing things about what God was saying and doing, and over a period of probably the last, I don't know, however many years it was, and this thing's been happening, and it's growing now. And it was like I just caught so much of who they really are, their authenticity. I caught the heart of who they are just by asking, hey, what is God doing and saying in your life? Also being real with people, with the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's a great way. When masks come down, you can really get to know someone. People often think, if you really knew who I am, you won't love me. The truth is, until I really know who you are, I can't love you. So we need to bring the masks down. And this is a good little thing to remember. Authenticity, which is one of our culture words, when you mix that with faith, that can create deep, deep relationships. So what do, what do I mean by that? Well, as we've said, authenticity is being real. It's the, it's the good stuff. It's the bad stuff. It's the stuff you don't want anyone to know. It's being real with who you are, with trusted people. When you take authenticity and you mix it with faith, it, be, it breeds great relationships. What do I mean by faith? Well, faith is God's perspective for relationships. So when you've got a perspective on yourself that God sees, that you're precious, that you're bought with the blood of Jesus, that he loves you, that he gave himself for you, and you look at other people and you think, wow, I've got faith for you. You were bought at a price. God loves you so much. There's so much great stuff in your life. And you have hope for their future. You say, well, God is going to do great things in your life. And I want to walk with you in that. <clears throat> That's what faith can look like in relationships. When you mix authenticity and faith, you can go deep with people. So seeing God's perspective for people, hope for their future and seeing the best in them, and you mix that with our word, authenticity. So an example of this would be a few years ago, um, a group of us, a small group of guys, five of us I think, we decided we were going to meet about once a month, and we, we took one night each. So on your night, you came and you told your story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good stuff, what God was saying to you, what God had done in your life when you got saved, um, great things God had done, but also the tough stuff. Maybe the sin that you were stuck in or are currently stuck in. Maybe sin that was done against you that you felt ashamed about. Maybe tragedies that had happened in your life and you took 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes and you just went, bang, I'm sharing my story and everybody else just sat and listened. That's quite scary to do. But man, you, you do that 
This is what we did, and we shared our whole story, start to finish, good, bad, and the ugly, and we had time to ask questions and just clarify anything. After that, we mixed it with faith. We got them in the middle, and we laid hands on them, and we, we prayed God's heart over them. So the stuff that may have hurt them in the past, we just prayed, that's not who you are. This is who you are. It's you're a son of God. You're so valued by him. You're not defined by your sin. You're not defined by the sin done against you. You're not defined by tragedy. You're defined by the love of God in your life. And then we prophesy hope for the future. We see this in you. God has got this gift. God wants to do this in your life. He's going to open up this door. He's going to use these amazing things that we see in you, the gold in you, and he's going to use it for his kingdom glory. And so although I did, it, I did one of the nights, obviously, because it was part of that group, it's very raw and hard to do. By the end of it, you felt so built up and that these guys loved you and they knew you, good, bad, ugly, the warts and all, but they're for you, they've got, they've got the, your best interests at heart and they're championing you on into the future and will help you with anything that you're currently struggling in. That's authenticity, one, one example of authenticity mixed with faith that creates deeper relationships. So now with those guys, we've gone to a deeper level and it's like I, d- I know them better than I did before and the masks have come down. And we can be in each other's lives even easier because, hey, I know what you've been through and I've stood with you in it and I, and I love you through it. Just another example would be um, how do you create capacity? Well, sometimes you've got to be pretty creative. I know my season of life, being an elder in the church, working a job in town, working for the church a day a week, three kids currently don't have our own house and living with 10 people in one house. It just feels like a very busy season for some reason or another. Um, and I'm sure like lots of us have got different things that are going on in our lives that make it busy. And Maddie P and I, so Maddie P is one of my close friends. He's been my close friend for a long time. And him and I kind of came to a point where we were like, ah, oh, we're just, we're not seeing enough of each other. It's, it's a struggle in our relationship. So we kind of thought creatively, and now once a week what we do is we drive home from our jobs in town, and although I live in Potidur, he lives in the hut, he picks me up and we drive out to Potidur and he drops me home and then goes over the hill home, so it's kind of all his sacrifice, not mine. I get a free ride. <laughs> but what that does is it gives us like 40 minutes in the car every week where there's no kids, no wives, no distractions, even though we love those things, just to chat about anything that comes to mind. The Just funny stuff, light stuff, deep stuff, things that we're struggling with, things that we need God's help with, giving each other advice on areas that we may feel a little bit stuck. And so recently I said to Maddie P, I said, can you just look into my life from your position which is pretty close and my marriage my my kids my my job my friendships my my walk with God my leadership everything can you tell me is there something that you can see that comes to the top that is holding me back from more of God's blessing in that area of my life that's quite scary to say something like that because you don't know what's going to come back you could come out with kind of lists of hundreds of things and be like okay where do I start it's going to take us all year although I did tell him just come with one (laughs) Start with one and we'll see how we go. So he came back to me, and I've checked with Minalene about this. She's okay for me to share this. But he said to me, um, <clears throat> we were away on holiday a few weeks before. Side note, another great way to spend unhurried time with people. So we were away on holiday with them, and he said, well, we were chatting about all sorts of things, and then you and Minalene had this conversation, and the way you were talking to each other, it was like, I wasn't sure if that was banter or there was something going on there underneath the scenes that just seemed a bit off. It wasn't quite right. You weren't quite respecting each other in the way you were talking to each other. That's what, I, that's what he brought up with me to say, hey, what's going on there? Is, is everything okay there? And so I was able to kind of go, hmm, let me think about this. What's happening there? 
and kind of go through the process. And he helped me to unpack some stuff that was going on that then Minalina and I talked about and we started to work on in our marriage. And it's like we didn't really see it until we had a trusted friend who was one-anothering with us, who was encouraging, who was challenging us and saying, hey, what about this area in your life? Are there people in your life who you've given permission to speak into? That would be a good question to ask yourself. Because actually, it needs to come from you. You need to say, hey, speak into my life. I give you permission too. Because sometimes people just don't know if they can or they will or they should. And some cultures are better at it than others. New Zealand culture, Kiwi culture, not very good. So we need permission sometimes to say, hey, speak into my life. I know you love me. What's holding me back from more of God in my life? I want to end just with one last point, which is this. One thing that can take a friendship even deeper in God is being on mission together. It's having a purpose in God where you've heard God's voice and you're doing something with God, with each other, and you know that God has spoken and, hey, God is going to bring us through uh, amazing things that he has promised. I've got friends who um, are Christians and I love them to bits, and I've got other friends who exactly the same, but there's a sense of we are in this together and we're on a mission and we've heard within this church community what God is doing and we're, we're keeping each other accountable, we're stirring each other on, hey, what, how are you feeling about this? And it's just another dimension of closeness that comes when you're hearing God's voice together and you're on a mission and on a purpose together. That breeds close friendship. And that's why Korowai is so important for us as a church. Because these moments when we get away as a community and we say we're going to take away the busyness of life, get away for a weekend, and we're going to hear God's voice deeply together as a people. We're going to hear prophetically for individuals. We're going to hear prophetically for us as a church. We're going to hear prophetically about church planting, about initiatives into the nation, and what God wants to do across the nation. When you hear that with each other, it breeds a closeness that you're like, wow, we are in this together, and God is speaking, and he's got our back, and together we're doing this. So the last weekend away we had was just powerful and there were moments that came where it was like wow God is speaking and then you, you feed on that you pray with that through with your friends and you have a sense of togetherness in the call of God because God never intended us to be just a part of a community or show up or attend he actually what you see on a Sunday is like a snapshot of what's going on God is saying I'm taking us on a journey and my question would be do you understand the journey that we're on because I only do a little bit. <laughs> we get a little glimpse of what God is doing, a prophetic glimpse of, of the glory he wants to bring to this nation through us. Where did I catch those glimpses? It was at times like Kodawai, or prayer meetings as well. But Kodawai was a big one, or the, the versions we'd had in the past, where you catch something of what God is doing, and you say, we're going to do this together with my brothers, with my sisters. We're going to move forward, and we're going to pursue God for what he's saying. So I would just encourage you, if you're a little bit on the fence about whether you want to get there or what's going to be like, and I hate being away from home and sleeping in a different bed, and whether the baby's going to wake me up, I would just say, just lay that aside and go, hey, I'm going to go there and I'm going to believe that God is going to speak to me personally. He's going to speak to me a part of this family. And for many of us, what he's going to do is he's going to unite our hearts with the plans and purposes that God has for this family. And you're going to come before camp, you're going to think, yeah, I like what I see. After camp, it's like I'm in with everything I've got because God has spoken. And I want to be on a mission to see New Zealand and the nations change for what God is doing. And it's so good. You get to spend time with people in that and build friendships around the calling of God. Some of my close friends, really one of the cornerstones is that we've heard God's voice together. 
and we're pursuing that with our lives and we're keeping each other accountable to that. I think I'm going to stop there. There's lots we can say on this and I'm sure it's a conversation that we can carry on and connect groups and with our friends and with, with other people. But why don't we just stand now and just allow God to sink some of these things into our hearts.